So let's go right into the scriptures. Can we go there? We're in 2 Corinthians. And uh, oh, I can start my watch now, Aubrey. Okay, great. So <laughs> we're in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And what's amazing, let me just give you some context. So he's writing to a church that really has not suffered. They've suffered at the hands of their own sinfulness, but they haven't really suffered yet. They're going to suffer just like most of the early church suffered. Many were put to death. Jesus said, you're going to have trials, tribulations, you're going to be handed over. But the church in Corinth, honestly, they were pretty, they were pretty cocky, they are pretty full of themselves, thought they were more spiritual than everybody else. And yet Paul is suffering for the sake of the gospel and for their sake, and they're not even really getting it. And so Paul, what he does is he, he, the first thing he wants to do in his message to them is, is point them to the Lord. And I think in a time of sorrow, the, the place we want to go is to put our eyes back on the Lord, back on the Lord. And it says this, in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. In a time of a man who had suffered so horribly as St. Paul, and we'll get to the type of sufferings he had. But the thing he said is, is, friends, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is, in fact, the Father of all mercies. God is, he's not just the God of all mercies, he's the Father of all mercies. And he is, in fact, the God of all comfort. And so we see Paul is, is bringing them, but also today bringing us and putting our eyes on the Lord and reminding us who he is. He is uh, the, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the father of all mercies. And he's the God of all comfort. And the word there for comfort is a, really a very similar word to the word for the Holy Spirit. The paraclete. One who comes alongside of us. Who strengthens us and builds us up. And that's the God he's thanking. A God who is merciful. And a God who comes alongside us and strengthens us in our weakness. And he says he comforts us in all our afflictions. And there are two words, two words right after that. Look in verse, uh, well, see the, the print's small, but it looks like four, chapter four. He comforts us in all our afflictions. Two words, what are they? So that. So that. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that. In other words, God has a purpose as he's... If he's brought comfort to you in a time of affliction or sorrow or loss, and I know many of you have had very serious losses in your life, he has allowed you to walk through that. He has comforted you in that so that, so that what? What does the scripture say? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Now, I can't for a moment say that I've experienced anything like the suffering that the Hogans have suffered. It would be arrogant and ridiculous of me to try to say I've suffered like that. But our family, like many of your families, we've suffered, right? It may have been more of a pinprick than a, than a spear prick, but we know what it is to suffer. Our church, we, we've lost children. Um, we've had many hard, hard things. And so when Aubrey called, it's like, brother, I must come. I want to comfort you with the comfort that we have received of the Lord. When my 23-year-old daughter, now almost 30, when she had a tumor this big in her ovary and it was malignant, my wife right, and I, right before Thanksgiving, were not even sure if my own daughter would live. 
we were overwhelmed with grief and sorrow and our mind was spinning. It's like we couldn't even focus on the Lord because our heads were a million different directions. And yet, strangely, at that time, that most horrible time, we found that the Lord did in fact comfort us. He comforted us directly and also through the body of Christ. When my uh, daughter Mary Wynn had our first grandchild, do you know how exciting that is to have your first grandchild? Unfortunately, our first grandchild died two days before she was delivered, almost full term. And friends, the level of sorrow was just unbelievable, not just for our family, but for our entire church. And yet my wife and I could, could bear testimony, not Christian happy, no, but real testimony that God carried us. He met us in the midst of suffering. And my wife and I were comforted in the worst possible situation. And so, friends, I don't know how the Lord's going to do it, but I believe he will as he has comforted us so we can speak of that comfort and hopefully encourage you authentically and, 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 and comfort you with the comfort we've been given. Let's go back to the scriptures. So it says in uh, verse 5, it says, We share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, and so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. He, he says to the Corinthians, if we're afflicted, hey, church, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're afflicted, if we're suffering, we're, be, we're suffering for the gospel and for the Lord, but also for the church. We're suffering on your behalf. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. On the other hand, if we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Um, he goes down to verse 7. Let your eyes go there to verse 7. He says, church, our hope for you is unshaken. And I want to say to you guys, our hope at Church of the Holy Spirit in our diocese, our hope for you is unshaken. You know, a lot of people say nice things to your face. Do you know that? My pastor, do you know that? Do you know that, pastor? People say nice things to your face. Let me tell you, we say nice things behind your back. I am, um, sorry, I'm a walker. Uh, I got interviewed by church, uh, Todd Hunter's thing. It's called Telos. It's a, it's a big blog that goes over the world. And he asked us about churches that are actually doing mission, churches that are actually on mission, not talking about it. And I mentioned this little church in Harrisonburg. Of all the churches in our diocese, 37, and all the other churches I know, I said, I, wanna, I just want to say, not that they're perfect, but I see them doing real mission. And so, friends, it doesn't surprise me that when you're growing and making disciples and living and, and making an impact in this city, I see it. Do you see it? I see it. And when we see it, it's no wonder that the evil one is like, you know what? I just want to take them out. I just want to take them out. And so don't be surprised at the fiery storms that come upon you. I'm not suggesting that God mows somebody down. All I'm saying is, Christ said, in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations. Uh, if you were not being effective for the gospel, trust me, it would be smooth sailing, right? There are a lot of denominations, a lot of churches. There are no threat to the, to the kingdom of darkness, but this church is. And so what I'm telling you is, Satan hates what you're doing, but the Lord loves it. And so don't be surprised at the fiery ordeals that are coming upon you. And yet, you don't have to be seized with fear. You don't have to be seized with fear. Paul says, our hope for you as a church is unshaken. I want to say this morning, in a time of mourning, in a time of sorrow, uh, if nothing else, if nothing else, our presence here would say, we care about this church. 
We love this church. We pray for your church. I mean, if you, Evelyn could tell you, we pray for our church plants almost every, we miss one every occasionally, but we pray for our church plants almost every week, and sometimes even by name, and the pastors by name. And so my church, their hearts are knit to this church and even to the new church in Stanton. And Paul goes, our hope for you is unshaken. Go down to verse 8. He says, we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers. Uh, We don't want you to be ignorant of the affliction we experience in Asia. So basically what Paul is saying right here is, church in Corinth, uh, you guys have not yet suffered, but I, Paul, have suffered. And I've suffered terribly. And let me, let me just give you a little, little clue as to how much I've suffered. He says this. He says, uh, don't be ignorant of the affliction we experienced. We were so utterly burdened, utterly burdened beyond our strength that we actually despaired of life. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. Maybe this week. You were so utterly burdened that you almost despaired of life. One of the things I love about being a Christian is that we don't have to pretend when somebody goes, how you doing? Passing the hall, how you doing? How you doing? Fine, I'm fine. No, you're not fine right now. You're not fine right now. You're in Christ. You're secure. But you're sad. And you're weeping. One of the beauties of being a Christian is that we can be honest before the Lord and we can admit when we're mad. I know what it is to be mad at God. When I look at my daughter with cancer, when I had my grandchild die, I'm like, I didn't want to whisper it out loud, but I'm thinking like, Lord, could you not do something? Could you not do something? And what we find in the Psalms, you know that book in the middle of the Bible, right? How many Psalms are there? 150. And in the midst of the book of Psalms, one of our Anglican priests, a guy named David Taylor, he, he's a cool guy with long hair, and he looks like uh, he's a friend of Bono's. And he looks like Crowder, if you know who Crowder is. But David, David told us at Synod, probably the most interesting thing that happened at Synod, but don't quote me. Uh, David Taylor said, as believers, we have this language where we can go to God and be honest, and we can lay our souls bare before him. And if we're in sorrow, we can present that sorrow to him. If we're upset or mad or angry at the Lord, the psalmist was, 42% of the psalms are psalms of lament. And so God has given us this great gift as Christians not to hide, not to push it down, not to be like the British who keep, sorry if you're from England, sorry, (laughs) who keep a stiff upper lip. Have you heard that expression? Christians, we don't have to keep a stiff upper lip. Bring it to the Lord. He knows anyway. Use the Psalms of lament. Use the language God has given you. And pour it out to God. One of the things, Aubrey, you've heard this, but we learned in Rwanda, uh, the the people that took us in, they had one-eighth of their their country, one-eighth, slaughtered in a hundred days. Almost all our friends in Rwanda, they've lost parents, they've lost children. But somehow the Rwandans have also taught us how to grieve. When our own compassion daughter died, I had met her. We prayed together. We'd eaten together. She was important. She was in our prayers. And I get a call from compassion about two months after I met her. And and my secretary goes, hey, compassion called. And I'm like, 
Why are they calling me? Compassion is not just calling unless they want to raise money. They're not just calling to be calling. And then I had this, you know how sometimes you know? I had this sick feeling. I'm like, they're calling me because something's wrong. Sure enough, our compassion daughter, our sweet compassion daughter, age nine, had an appendicitis rupture. But there, she's a rural girl with no money, no medical care, and she died. And so, friends, the thing I learned from Rwandans is that they bring their grief before the Lord. They don't keep a stiff upper lip. They bring their grief to the Lord and they lament. And the Rwandans, they fall down. They scream, they cry, they put dirt on their heads. Stuff comes out of their nose, they cry. They don't fake. They bring it before the Lord. And you know what the amazing thing is these Rwandans have taught us? When you bring your grief to the Lord, He meets you there and He brings healing. But when you try to keep a stiff upper lip and say, I'm fine, when you're not fine, no healing is to be had. And so the Rwandans have understood what the Scripture teaches. And they have been to us a comfort. Those who have been afflicted worse than anyone we know in Rwanda, who have been utterly burdened like St. Paul, they know what it is to be delivered. They know what it is to grieve. And so, as we finish this, I want to go down, go down to verse 10. Paul is telling them, well, first he talks about his affliction. He says, we were utterly burdened beyond our strength. We despaired of life itself. Um, God has delivered us from a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. Church, that's what I want to say to you this morning, because sometimes I think in the midst of grief, you lose your bearings. And so one of the reasons it's important to have a bishop or a shepherd or even just a brother in Christ, forget the collar, a brother in Christ come here, is to remind you that the Lord is walking with you. What he says in Psalm 23 verse 1 is absolutely true. The Lord is your shepherd. He's walking you through the valley of the shadow of death and he's with you. He's not going to forsake you. There's another scripture that says, that Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Church of the Incarnation, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. The Lord knows your suffering. He knows the Hogan's suffering. He's at work in their lives. He's at work in your church. But right now, he's capturing your tears. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there's a time for everything under heaven. There's a season for everything under heaven. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to mourn, and there's a time to weep. There's also a time for joy and a time for dancing. Could we honestly say right now, for your church, this is not a time for dancing, and it's not a time for laughter. This is, in fact, a holy and hard time of weeping and a time of sorrow. And that is a gift from the Lord where he allows you to bring the hurt and the pain and even the anger and bring it to him so he, you can get it out, so you can be honest with the Lord, so he can begin healing. But friends, the, the last thing we want to bring from this passage is that God actually is giving you a ministry in the midst of your sorrow. See, one of the, one of the greatest ways to move out of sorrow is not always have your eyes on yourself. And so what Paul is saying here is, church in Corinth, in the midst of my suffering, I need you guys to be a people of prayer. I'm out here on my own. I'm getting, 
Man, I've, I've had the, the, 39, uh, the 40 lashes minus one. I've been in trouble in the city and the water. And the, you know, I've had all these things. I've been stoned. I've been beaten with rods. I mean, you can read the list of all that happened to Paul. He says, I need you guys to pray for me. And so the holy work God has given you this day is to be the prayer ministers for the Hogan family, but for any of your brothers and sisters who are suffering. Whatever you're feeling, the encouragement is to get on your knees. To get on your knees. This family does not need untold casseroles, starchy casseroles. And if you brought them one, God bless you, I'm not busting on you. The family does not need nice little $5 cards from Hallmark from Helen Steiner Rice. The the family certainly does not need any of you to send them a book. Don't, please don't do that. Please don't send them some book about how to, because we want to fix it all and make it right. No, what the Lord is calling us, just like Paul was calling the church to, is to to exercise this holy work of prayer. And so what I would say is, in the midst of these hard situations, we've had them, Aubrey. It, what, what normally happens is everybody gets on the same page and we're so moved and we're pulling together and we pray for about a week. And then other things happen and we just move on. So friends, I'm going to ask you to be really practical. I'm going to ask you, those of you who have iPhones or smartphones or whatever you have, you Luddites who have it in a book with a you know, fountain pen, that's great. You can write it down. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to write in your calendar specific times for prayer. You you can make them a recurring event. Times where you're going to send a a card. Times where you are going to take a meal. But certainly times where you are going to pray and reach out to this family. And put it in for the next X number of months or even a year. Put it in your calendar. That's how we love, friends. We don't say, be peace, be filled, be warm, may the Lord bless you. No, we are people of prayer and we get on our knees and we walk with a family that's grieving. And so the ministry committed to you this day is to comfort with the comfort you have been given. Many of you have had very hard things in your life. If I was omniscient and I'm not, if I, if I knew all the things that you guys have suffered in your lives, I would say, you know what, the Lord will use that He'll use that suffering that you've experienced in your life to drive you to your knees, to be an intercessor for this family and for this church family. The ministry of prayer, the holy work of prayer. We commit you to the Lord's hands and we believe that the Lord is in your midst. We believe that the Lord's going to use you. We believe this church has a future. We believe God's using this church to change this city and to change this county. May the Lord be the lifter of your head. Amen.